Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast for spiritual seekers and lurkers, the respectfully curious and the pursuers of their passion, hosted by Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan. And today it's just me and Mel, Tanya and Mel. And uh, we, Jen had other things she had to do. So we have decided that we're just going to embark on our own we're little conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> without the Trinity intact, we, we think we can yes. do it. Um, so yeah. we were watching a TikTok. I sent, I think I sent it to you and Jen and mm -hmm. it was, um, just kind of, it really, in a really cool way, broke down the idea of what it really meant to be a peacemaker or a peacekeeper. And they said in the video and I'll paraphrase it. And then you paraphrase it. Cause maybe mm -hmm. between us, we'll actually get something that's like close <laughs> to how they did it. Cause I just thought he did such a good job. Mm -hmm. um, but he said something along the lines of if you do not identify as someone who is capable of great violence, then you are not a peacemaker. You're harmless. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really, really powerful because um, like we were kind of talking ahead of time, just that sometimes I do think we like relinquish a certain amount of power mm -hmm. in effort to it's say, totally well, I'm discomfort. keeping the peace or I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of peace, mm -hmm. but really is that even impactful at all? And it's like, oh, like arguably like a little bit of a victim role or it's disempowered, I guess let's, I'll stay out of the victim dialogue, but yeah. yeah. Anyways, what do you like? Did you, did I paraphrase it? Okay. Do you I think you did a great job. It? I, you know, I like, I mouthed along with you. If you aren't, uh, capable of great violence, you are not a peacemaker because you have to have the other. So if you are just a harmless, this is, you're, you're not choosing peace. Peace is being bestowed upon you by accident. And is it even really peace? Because I know anytime that I have stuffed what I wanted to say, stuffed my emotions down, avoided the conflict, um, this was in total disservice to myself. My internal compass was chaotic. I knew that I was betraying myself ultimately. So I wasn't, in those instances, I wasn't willing to create conflict in order to serve myself. I was putting other people's emotions in front of my emotions. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, whenever I've done that and I, I won't, I don't want to like call you out, <laughs> but whenever I've done that for me, that's just been cowardice. Like, Oh, absolutely. It's been like a, it's been me going, I don't want to face the discomfort of this situation or conversation or even like the repercussions of what, mm -hmm. what this is. And, uh, we talked about in a previous episode, how I have these like banner statements on my door right now. So affirmations don't usually land with me. I just, <laughs> I just find them kind of cheesy. That's my, that's my own experience, but I found a couple this year that finally clicked and I was like, okay, this I can get on board with. So one of them is I am capable of living with the discomfort of being misunderstood. I'm like loving that one. And then the other one that I feel like this sort of speaks to as well is, I am willing to live with the repercussions of being my authentic self, which means that I'm willing to manage what does come after speaking my truth or standing up for myself or saying what I feel is important or communicating that my feelings were hurt or communicating my inner experience to someone that may or may not hold space for it. Mm -hmm. And isn't it amazing how we can do that with 99% of the population, but there is that 1% who get us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is like a, for me, it's so it's a, it's a few, but yes, there's definitely, 
more challenging some some more challenging than others like yeah. the just a I guess the big well, training day that is, I was gonna say yeah the, the heavy <laughs> yeah for the Olympics but yeah, yeah I um, uh, and so to add on to that when we say that we avoid conflict some of that is a mistrust for my own self because as a teenager a child, I was very sensitive, like incredibly sensitive. I would cry all the time. I read emotions into every situation. I was constantly living outside of myself, out of my emotional box and reading everyone else's. And then after being injured uh, countless times because I could not hold a boundary and I trusted people who didn't have my best intentions at heart, I ended up going to the dark side and becoming a bully. And so my... Uh, I do have the capacity to, um, like Jen said in our previous episode, to become a hothead, to, you know, pop off. Do I completely and fully trust myself to be able to um, neutrally share with you how I feel and hold that peacemaker status? Or will I erupt? Will I become the volcano? Will I be the matchstick that sets the bonfire off? So I kind of go back and forth between being scared of myself and being scared of others. Those would be the reasons why I would choose cowardice is ultimately, I think it ends up that I don't trust myself to do it well in that moment. Well, and I wonder, um, cause like I relate to a lot of that. And again, with just like, I don't, cause I don't want to pose anything, but this is how I've like also identified some things is that I am capable of being very angry and very harsh and very abrasive. And, um, but then I also wonder, like, this is, this is like an inquiry. And again, like, this is me stretching this. I'm not trying to like, um, make it a good thing or whatever, but just going, I have always judged myself for anger. Like if so, if I've become anger, angry, and I have, I have had normal human responses to said anger, I then judge myself for how could I behave such a way or how could I do that? Or how could I, even though those are normal human responses to certain things happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I kind of go like, when, like what I'm trying to like really learn is like, when is that anger response, like arguably appropriate Mm -hmm. and kind of going like, and when am I judging myself for it? Because society hasn't let me as a woman be angry and be okay in that anger because and they be told me, yeah, yeah, they've told me you that we can, yeah. we can love you if you're sad. Mm-hmm. We can love you if you're hurting. Yeah. We can love you if you're happy. We can love you all these other ways. Mm-hmm. But when you're angry, that's yeah. not okay. Like how many times yeah. as a kid were you told like, Hey, that's not acceptable behavior. Yeah. And you were just being a kid. You were just being mad. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, I like, so some of that follows me too, where I wonder like how much of my anger do I buffer because Mm -hmm. I've just been taught that it wasn't okay, even though, you know what, it's okay to be mad sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, and that's what I'm struggling with, I guess, is finding like a healthy channel for what that looks like. What does it look like to be angry in a healthy and constructive way and not angry in a harmful, destructive way? And, uh, that's like, like, seriously, like, I don't have the answer. Like that's like the, that's the journey. 
layering being a spiritual being on top of that makes it like the coat of many colors. <laughs> there is like so many different layers to that. Um, anger and rage are my greatest shames. They are my shadow. Anger and rage are where I question myself the most. Did I do the right thing? Did I see it the right way? And so I'm constantly trying to check my reality all the time. I, um, Tanya, you're also reading this book, but I read The Rage Becomes Her and it made me angry. <laughs> like it really just made me angrier. Um, it's it, it's a, a book that is got many different articles about instances that have happened to women across time and ways that we have been disempowered and turned away from our anger and actually shunned from society uh, based on anger. So we have been very, very vanilla our whole lives as little girls. Anytime we were too loud, our voices were too loud. And so for people like me and Tanya, who have really loud voices and are, you know, we're not afraid to use them. We, like I know for me, I can feel like, oh, you know, I'm manipulated with my voice or I was overpowering with my voice or um, moving into that bully space again. And it's, how do I get an accurate read on what is effective, what is right, what is true and what this situation is calling for. Because I know it's not calling for me to step back and allow it to happen and to be trespassed. That's happened way too much in my life. And now it's like this great awakening of how do I show my rage? How do I show my anger and still be heard? Because usually the ears turn off. The moment we get angry, the ears turn off. Has that been your experience? Yeah, that's that's a common one. Or mm-hmm. or uh, a lot of them too is just um, like walk walk away. Like it's like, oh, you're angry. I'll leave you alone. And yeah, so it's isolating. It. Yeah. Yep. So there's uh, it doesn't feel like a welcome part of the human experience. Yeah. And even if <laughs> even if that anger was like not directed so like Mm -hmm. let's say you are beside me while I'm getting angry about this other thing yeah and you you walk away that's like what really hurts like because when you're directing your anger at someone I understand how that would be hard to hold space for that I think strong people can my husband does my husband holds space when I'm angry he has not ever walked away from me he's not ever made me feel bad about being angry he he some he'll argue back with me sometimes but Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just been such a gift to have this person who really like allows that anger to be there without judgment without guilt without shame and then what I what I've noticed just in my own self and I'm not saying I'm I'm working with this anger constructively I think I have a lot of work to do and and like, you know, progress to make with it. But what I have noticed is when I get to just let that anger out, when I have a safe place to be angry, I usually can then come to some sort of space where I can kind of like, it's out, it got there. It was, it happened. And then I can kind of come into a place where I go, Oh, you know what? Okay. Here's, here's what I can see now. Like with, with my emotions, because they are no longer in my body, they got a channel, they got out. I can see now that maybe my perspective was a little sharp or harsh in this, in mm-hmm. this, you know, variation. So I'd like to apologize or make amends or reconcile something I said, because you know what, I don't think that was the right way to say that, or I'm not sure that that was the best, you know, 
you know, communication of that or whatever. And, and then be able to almost like have like a way more balanced viewpoint of that situation or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. I mean, again, I like it's a fine line because obviously we can have people who the like rage and anger is like a weapon and it oh, can yes. really people. harm people. And mm-hmm. I think that it's, you know, it is, it's a, it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like I have this image. There is so it. much shame around women's anger where if a man gets angry, everyone's like, Yeah, you know, like he did the right thing, or look at him, he's standing up for himself or the people. And if a woman's angry, they're like it the people the fear of God is struck in them when a woman is angry. Is like we are channeling our power when we are angry. And I think that um, I know for myself, I feel sorry for anyone I've gotten angry at because if I am angry, I can feel my energy bubble. I can feel it pushing on you and I can feel the intensity of it. And that I think is where I get shame from is like, I know how powerful I am when I'm in that space. And uh, I never want to be manipulative or, or bullying in this in this aspect of my life, this phase of my life. So where do I find this line where this, um, you know, powerful, angry bubble can just like maybe take it down a notch or two? But I don't know. I feel like that might be a little bit of my social conditioning saying that it's not okay again. And so, too, when you say um, what a person can do for a woman's anger is to stand steady and watch your fluctuations of discomfort. What is happening internally in you when you are experiencing a woman's anger? There is so much that like our society as a whole needs to work through in getting around and, and why we cry. Like whenever we get angry, we cry because there's shame attached to our anger. It's like, Oh, I know. Like, you know, we're after we get angry, we often say sorry. And the, the crying is like, I'm actually fearful. I'm in no way sad about this, but it comes through in just an, an emotional eruption. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm man. a big crier when I'm mad. <laughs> Mine, I, I don't cry if I'm mad, but I cry if I'm frustrated. And it's mm-hmm. like a very interesting difference. I'm, I'm practicing here's some things I'm practicing. Cause like, like I said, we're I'm really trying to find healthy ways to communicate, uh, emotions that are challenging. And, and, and I've got mm-hmm. this like little boy that I'm, that I'm raising and I really want him to have like a healthy channel for his, his anger, because, um, I've, I've just observed the way that I manage anger and the way that his dad manages anger. And I don't think either of us are really winning. <laughs> like yeah. my husband will lose it. Like he's kind of a snap show and he, like we'll do something like, I don't know, he'll hit a wall. Like it's just not probably the greatest expression of anger. Uh, also just like for the like little asterisk, he is not abusive. He does not hit a wall <laughs> near me. This is not like, I do not feel threatened when my husband is angry. He just, mm-hmm. he struggles to find a channel for his anger mm-hmm. as well. And then mine is to isolate. Like, it's like, if I'm mad, I will go away. I, and probably cause I've been walked away from but um, I'll just go in a corner, be by myself. That's how I'm going to do my anger. And I don't think that that's really either of those are how I don't want my son to go and destroy my house when he's angry. And I don't really want him to think he has to be Wait. alone and not talk to anybody when he's angry. So <laughs> what I've been practicing is, and I, I sound ridiculous. Okay. But I just repeat, I'm so angry. 
oh, I'm mm-hmm. so angry right now. And maybe my fists shake and, mm-hmm. and maybe my body tenses up, but I'm just, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Yeah. <laughs> Flip the bird to invisible people. Um, uh, and, and, um, what I'll, I'll start to do too, is I'll, I'll say that I'm so angry. I'm angry. I'm so mm-hmm. angry. And, and I express that uh, with my voice, with my body. And then I'll start to be like, why, what, what, what is making me so angry right now? And, and sometimes I don't know right away. I don't know. I'm just so mad. Okay. Well you be mad. Like, and so I kind of almost just, I'm like, cause I, I was like, well, if, if I was going to teach my kid, I'd be like, well, I want to know, I want you to communicate. I want you to use your words and tell me how you're feeling And there's this thing, and I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but it's called a feelings wheel. And it's, Mm -hmm. I guess like a lot of therapists, therapists are using it. And the center of the wheel is like, kind of like your basic emotions, like Mm -hmm. mad, happy, sad, whatever. And then they branch out into more specific emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you're mad, um, or you're angry, say let's use angry and frustration so anger is usually a boundary infringement it's basically something has happened to you that you're not you don't want to happen so it's it's sort of a form of rebellion or retaliation or defense like it's your system saying hey that's not okay Mm -hmm. versus frustration is that you had a plan for something to go a certain way and it didn't go that way and you're frustrated but both of those are anger responses or mad. Right. So that feelings wheel has also been something I've been trying to play with a little bit to like, just really identify what I'm feeling and going through. And that's, I don't know, but like I said, I'm not sure if I'm really making headway, but it does feel like something it's like, well, Hey, at least, at least I am no identifying my emotion and I'm expressing it and no one's getting hurt by me saying I'm so mad mm-hmm. that that doesn't, that's not me saying hurtful things that I can't take back. It's just me saying I'm so mad. Yeah. And not having or ever maybe being taught or learned the skills to name your emotions. And I think naming emotions has been a huge thing for myself as an empath. I noticed that I have a coping mechanism of jumping in other people's energies and into other people's emotions to avoid my own. And when I notice that I'm doing that, I force myself to sit in the discomfort of what I'm feeling and ask myself if I could name what I'm feeling right now, it would be this. And then whatever comes, comes. Um, Another thing that, and I don't know, I know it must be true because I want to say it's not and I want to fight it. But um, Carolyn Mice says, if there is anger there, there's something that you're lying to yourself about. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, very, it is very interesting. And it's uh, like that self-betrayal again, the boundary being crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've done with reconciling things in the past uh, is when I have felt angry and I do feel shame around those um, anger outbursts or situations where I feel like maybe I, I went too angry or I got too angry is I go back, I go back in energy land, no time, no space. And I, as me sit with that girl and I, as me sit with her and I stand with her. And it's just, you know, we can't change these experiences. We can't change whether it was right or wrong, but we can change whether we stand beside ourselves during those times, whether we be a friend to ourselves or whether we be an enemy to ourselves. And for me, I had turned away, which meant internally that 
I, I disassociated this piece of myself. And when we disassociate, that's the pieces of ourselves that keep coming up and they come up in other people and they come up in your daily life. They, they, they're they just like the ghouls that won't go away. They, they haunt the walls everywhere um, they're turning up. And so if we can come to the space of really accepting who we are, what we've done, no matter if it's the worst of the worst. And um, yeah, I'm reading a book right now called The Body Keeps Score. And I, like, I literally just started. But last night it was talking about uh, a war veteran who had seen um, his whole platoon either be killed or wounded. And this is a family man. He had a family. And the next day, and they say that this is common, the reaction to this. I've never experienced anything like that myself. But that the rage that comes through the next day is channeled outward and very self-destructive. And so the next day he went into the village and he shot the village up. He, he shot children. He shot um, innocent farmers and he raped a woman. And knowing that his wife at home, so he, it said in there, and now having to return to his wife where he had violated and, and trespassed a woman just like her, that was a piece of himself that he had to come to accept because like, this is like, you know, pretty serious stuff, but it doesn't change the fact that there is shame and guilt and that, that we re we react in these out of character ways. How do you come to a space? Like, I'm not saying that any of us have done anything like that, or maybe there is worse and I'm sure there is worse, but, um, how do you, you reconcile that within yourself? How do you tell yourself that I am valid and I have a right to move forward and that my life can still have meaning after that? Or do you just sit in that punishment pool and waste your life? Well, and I feel like this is like an interesting segue to, cause we were also going to talk about like shadow identifying and shadow exploration, integration, or however we want to kind of like go through that. But I wonder if that is like a part of that sort of story is that we have to face what we have chosen, like what we've done and however whatever what we want to yeah what we're capable of however we want to justify it like even if like um uh like people uh, like to me almost what you're talking about or I could like metaphor this into like reactive abuse right so someone's in an abusive re relationship and that person positions them so well that they end up um doing reactive abuse and basically they say things do things that are out of character because they were pushed to a certain point that that's the response mm -hmm. but the, i think the thing that is that even though it's reactive abuse like even though we could say well that man went through such an incredible trauma of course he's going to have some sort of response to that trauma um he still did those things like those things still yeah, happen. He has to live with that he has to live with that and i think that that I mean not to me that just goes back to like what you said about standing with yourself is like can you stand with yourself in the moments that you have made decisions and you have done things that you didn't want to or were out of character or weren't your true self or weren't your best self like can you still stand with yourself even in the moments where you are your ugliest that's a quotable <laughs> oh yeah it's my first yeah. one <laughs> yeah and we all have those right like to varying degrees 
We all have aspects of our personality, our history, who we are, that we don't want anyone to know, that we wish we could erase, we could delete, we could move past. But you had that experience and it is a valid part of who you are. And to be able to acknowledge that, have compassion for that, and to see the growth that has come from that and that humans are so incredibly resilient and we are so capable of great change that we don't have to live there. We don't have to stay there. And the more that we refuse it, we repress it, um, the, the more it's going to haunt you. And if you could just go in and even like Tanya has been talking about um, using her throat chakra a lot and using affirmations and speaking out loud, the, the voice has a tremendous amount of healing um, medicine to it. So if you can be witnessed in saying, I did these things, I, I, I created this in my life and this is a wounding that I am currently um, feeling in myself. This is somewhere that I, I am scared to go. I'm scared of this aspect of myself. Being witnessed is, uh, it's healing on multiple levels. So many levels that to be witness. And like we said, stand with yourself. If you can do that in a safe place or with a therapist or in group work, um, safely facilitated, if you can be witnessed and just allow that experience to have a voice, there is so much peace that can come from that. I, and I, I'm, I've worked through that quite a bit, but there's still, you know, you never, uh, this life isn't complete <laughs> without every day working towards healing. But um, I know myself being witnessed and being um, have space held for me without judgment is probably the biggest medicine you could give to to yourself or to a person who's asking to be seen. I think I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And then there was something I thought of just as you're talking about how um, whoever you said was t talking about whatever you're angry about is like a yeah. lot, uh, something you're not, or you're lying to yourself about. You're lying to yourself. I think we lie to ourselves about our shadows all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that we, because what we want to do is like everybody we has create some, a counter identity to it. Hey, well, um, I, I th I'm applying it in a different way, but that probably is relevant, but I'll finish this thought <laughs> is, um, is we have a person who we identify in our life as the villain or the enemy. Like everybody has one, everyone has. And even if you have multiples or if it's a certain even behavior that was like aligned with a handful of people or whatever, but we see this certain behavior. So say it is someone that is like abusive or manipulative or whatever, we can get so like, you're the villain and I'm the good guy because it's my story and I'm in my book and my story. Therefore I am the hero that we create this division. So we go, well, you are these qualities and I am those qualities. And it's an, it's a very us versus them mentality. And then we're not capable of holding space for those aspects of them mm -hmm. and nor and we're rejecting slash lying to ourselves about those qualities being very much present in in ourself. And I feel like the closer you, we can get to embracing and integrating those shadow aspects of self. So the closer that we can get to kind of going like that, that dude doing what he did going, I did that. 
I have to live with what I did. I'm not proud of what I did. I don't feel good about what I did. You, like, I don't think we have to bring these qualities in and be like, this is great. Like, I love that I'm super manipulative with a superiority mm -hmm. complex and that I'm super judgmental. I love that about myself. I don't think we have to go that far, but I do think I have to look at those parts of myself and go, hey, yeah, those are parts of me. Like I am judgmental. I am manipulative. I have a superiority complex. I, oh God, I have like a list, but those are like the top ones I can think of right now. Like I get defensive when someone criticizes me. I don't take criticism very well. I get hurt feelings really easily when I feel personally attacked. I feel shame around my anger. I would prefer to not identify as an angry person. Mm -hmm. I feel like the more though we can kind of come in and go, but this, I am a vast dynamic, expansive person mm -hmm. and a vast dynamic, expansive person who is going to accomplish whatever I'm going to accomplish in my life needs all of these qualities to be integrated in order for me to operate as my best self. Because if I'm like a machine and I'm just throwing some gears out the window, my machine will be smaller. It won't work the same way. But if I can bring all of that gear in and be like, yep, everything has a place here. All of a sudden that machine is more efficient. It's bigger. It's putting out more stuff or more quality stuff or whatever. Anyways, I, the, uh, the, the, um, how they say history repeats itself if it's not, um, acknowledged and, mm. and, and read about is like, if we aren't acknowledging these aspects of ourselves and when we do feel that way, when someone triggers us, this is an opportunity for expansion. It's an opportunity to whatever you're triggered by in the other person to integrate in yourself. Okay. When, when did I feel that way? When did I do this? What am like, where is the, the shame coming from or, or the guilt of this experience? Something that I'm refusing to look at, um, creating an invisible sort of self which doesn't really exist. It, totally. it has to come back home. And then I wonder sometimes if that's why we struggle to align with certain people or people struggle to align with us, because mm -hmm. can you be truly authentic without integrating the whole self? Yeah, you, you can, yeah. You, you're being, you're being uh, like an interpretation of yourself or mm -hmm. you're showing what you want people to see, which is, Hey, everybody manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I just wonder if like, like, I really feel like integrating the aspects of ourselves that we don't like is the way to find true authenticity, like to really be able to know and even fall in love with the self, mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen all at once, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's a difficult, it's difficult work. Um, yeah, it's, the yeah, worst. it's difficult work. It's not something that, you know, you're not going to have, um, you have to have safe people around you. You have to have safe people who are willing to support you through it or pay someone if you don't have those people <laughs> in your life. But yeah, it is, um, it is difficult work and you do need people with depth to help you through that for sure. That are, um, fully integrating who they are too. Cause it is really hard to integrate your shadow self with someone who is still playing dress up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cause I feel like the responses are, um, I mean, there's a balance, but I was going to say like, if you come to someone and say, Hey, I realize these aspects of myself and I, you know, I feel like not great about them. Like, I feel like the best person can say like, Hey man, I, I have some yucky stuff going on too, or, um, 
I hope, you know, you're holding space for yourself or having grace for yourself for identifying those things and just know that you're being really brave as mm-hmm. opposed to being like, no, no, you're not that way. No, yes, you would yes. never, you would never Helping be like the that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like looking for people that will either come to you and be like, dude, I'm in the same boat mm-hmm. <laughs> or coming and going like, uh, my husband did something really powerful for me when I was really grappling with like a lot of this. And he's like, Tanya, you know what? you are abrasive and sometimes you say things in a really blunt way and you're you know this that and the other and he was kind of saying all these things and he's like and that's why I married you that's why I love you and I was like like it just like got me because I was just like oh my god so you see all this stuff like it's not like I was successful at hiding it and you see all this stuff and you love me anyway and for me that was really inspiring because I thought okay well if you can love me through all of this, maybe I can love me through this too. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really powerful. So when you say like having good people around you, I feel like that's so important. So important. And to feel safe too, because there are some people who are unwilling to look at their own shadow, who will hear yours and then jump on the trampoline with you and be like, and remember when you did this and remember when you did this. And that's just not productive either. So um, if you do end up being someone who is a space holder for a person who's coming to you, that's an opportunity to bite your tongue (laughs) and to just allow them to come to these realizations on their own because if they are coming to the realizations on their own and they are opening and they are sharing and they are being vulnerable and then they have a a hot iron held to their skin about all the other times that's going to shut it down real quick so that's just one facilitator's advice if you do end up holding that seat for someone is even if you feel a certain way and it seems like the right opportunity to bring up something it's not I have an analogy for that, that like, this is what I talk about when in my shadow workshop, please feel welcome to borrow it if if it suits you. But I say shadow work should be a buffet, meaning you self-serve. So you go to, there's like a selection. There might be some things you like, some things you don't like, probably mostly things we don't like because it's shadow work, let's be honest. But you get to decide how much goes on your plate, what you are taking at that first visit to the buffet. So no one should be dishing you up your shadow work. And and I think people like to try because we get hurt by someone. So we're like, well, here's what you did to me. Therefore, here's what you need to work on. Yeah. But that's not, yeah, that's not really like, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't get anyone anywhere. So shadow work is, is a self-serve self-serve and if you feel like you have to serve someone their shadow work probably you need, you need to, to go to the go buffet, to the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hit up that buffet <laughs> yes yes yeah. absolutely absolutely I love that I love that buffet analogy I'm gonna use that in mind please please by all means that one like that one just it, it and for me because that the way that it actually came through was because I was um, trying to delegate. Yeah. I was trying to serve somebody their shadow work. And oh. then I was like, Ooh, yeah. How, how would you like it? And I was like, no, no one tells me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, you probably shouldn't be serving others their shadow work then either. So, yeah. Good point. Okay. It's a buffet. I got it. Okay. Yeah. That's a really That's such a good caterer, note. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I think that's a good note to end 
on. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. I do have a shadow workshop coming up. It may be done by the time this one gets aired, but I'll host it again because it is already a firecracker and there's lots of people who want to come to the buffet. So um, it's on November 13th and it is a four hour deep dive. Only those who are ready to um, come without a mask uh, will feel um, like this is the workshop for them. So if you would like any more information on it, you can find me on Instagram at the Melanie Dawn and just DM me. I'm doing it very raw. I'm not posting a lot. Um, not making an event or adding it to my website. It's just got its own leg. So you'll have to DM me. Love it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the spiritual boss podcast. We appreciate you listening and appreciate if you subscribe, uh, share the podcast with your friends, if it resonates. And, um, if you have Apple, um, podcasts and you want to leave a review it's just at the bottom um it really just helps us kind of lift the algorithm and other people can find us more easily uh we welcome emails input comments spiritual boss podcast at gmail.com and you can find us on instagram at the spiritual boss podcast and then of course you can contact us individually on our instagram facebook and whatever other plethora of social media we have going on now peace in peace out <laughs>